if we need to. Because, um, cool. you know, me and Plyler tend to get liquored up and tend to holler. <laughs> so excited to be here i i'm not an expert but i will make something up that's um <laughs> that's you, you don't have to be an expert I, I i've got a theory that uh um i think everyone knows a lot more about like wine and 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 booze and stuff than they than they know than they think they know i should say except for scotch there there is something about scotch that people have explained it to me in depth many 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 times and then i've actually applied myself and tried to learn it and it's like my brain just flushes the information out i hear you and then people are like do you have any blended scotches and i'm like i don't know what that is and i (laughs) well i mean but 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 for scotch i mean it's kind of like german wine or german beer the names are long and terrifying and (laughs) it's in this it's in this strange language yeah and it's intimidating and you're saying the name of the producer you know you're not getting it right. Like right. you know you're saying it wrong, and you're just waiting for that patron at the bar to say, "Well, actually, it's Brookladic." Okay, great. And they are really intimidating. Like usually, people that drink scotch, they know their shit. So it's like I feel very out of my element to like bullshit if I need to. It's like that's cool. I just don't know, sir. Well, we've got um, you know Sherry does play a role in like like scotch production, both both blended and single malt scotch production. What? We've got a little expression of that today, so we'll talk Amazing. about that, and maybe that'll make you feel I don't know. Maybe it can help. Maybe I could learn something. I, I I'll try. I'm gonna try. It's been something I I wanted to do for a long time. Did you bring any of that Teacher's Island cream with you? Yes. Uh, the small bottle is the control that has nothing added to it. <laughs> the <laughs> big jar is the. What? <laughs> No, no, it's just funny. The control. Uh, That's the like, control. Like, like yeah. this is a fucking like Sorry, spaceship. We, we, we do, we lab. do, well, we, we do sensory stuff in the brewery and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, here's like, if we're looking for like, like uh, diacetyl or something like that, it's like, okay, here's the control. We know this doesn't have it in there. Here's the sample we just pulled. Yeah. You do them side by side. What do you think? Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, that, makes, that makes sense. It's good, good, uh, good exercise. Um, well, anyway, cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much for having me. This is Thank you so much for being here. Amazing. What are we? Do- What's this guy? So this is from Plantation. This is a uh, Jamaican rum that was distilled in 2005. Mm. Um, there's a bunch more information on the back, but it was aged in the islands uh, for 12 years, I think, and then finished in uh, Pierre Ferron casks. Mm. Uh, that's yeah. good stuff. We we are huge fans of uh, Plantation here on the show. So yeah, Pierre Ferrand is a cognac producer. Yeah, um, and it's all the same company. Uh, they also make Citadel Gin and few other things Pierre Ferrand Curacao you've probably seen around oh yeah but anyway folks welcome back to pocket liquor <laughs> welcome back yes. to pocket liquor guys yes. it's gonna be a great cold open just five <laughs> minutes of exposition before we start the show uh we've got Lindsay Collins from F&B Radio here today and we are extremely stoked to have her without oh. her this show wouldn't exist and that's, nope, that's a real all. thing oh, uh she you. uh helped us out so much getting started showed us the ropes Made the best sounding episodes that we have. <laughs> right. uh, That's not true. <laughs> L- Lindsay, Lindsay also did a great job of just kind of being in the room with us and being kind of that third person that we could kind of 
I mean, honestly, just kind of look for like this visual approval. Like, are we saying the right things? Are we doing okay? And um, just a variety of positive and negative hand gestures to kind of guide us in a different direction. And um, that helped out immensely uh, as far as developing the podcast. And we wouldn't be where we are at today without it. Oh, you guys, I'm going to like, that's really, really nice to say. It's it's all true. Um, We're, we're, we're super stoked to have you. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, We've got like, there's a, there's a cool little collection of uh, Charleston based like food and beverage, you know, like focus podcast going around now. And I think there are a few more that are like on the cusp of cropping up. And I think that's really cool. Um, I think that's a good thing and a good sign of, of cool things to come. So um, I know we should have like a, a station where we just play all food podcasts all the time. Maybe I could Absolutely. start a network. Maybe that would be the next You know what? I actually thing. had that idea too. Like, why, why don't we all like, some, just not even like, y'all do whatever you want, but like there could be a support system where yeah. you can have like some editing help or we all get, you know, any advertiser advertises on all of them and we all talk about each other's shows and, and yeah. such. Anyway. Heritage Radio does uh, does something similar and it's yeah. it's really smart because then you can kind of like put ads where they make sense and also just get people listening for for different it's like it's kind of like the old school when people used to watch television uh-huh. without demand where you can just be like oh at two o'clock pocket liquor comes on it could be really fun it could be really fun have like an actual time slot keep mm-hmm. it old school and and obviously you can still get it on demand when you, oh, yeah. when you want it you know exactly or if you, you know sometimes I don't have cable at all so sometimes I kind of miss just like I'm gonna turn on the TV. And oh yeah! And then I have to. Oh, I have to find something. Just I, I don't. <laughs> Jeremy loves the HBO Live feature because you can just watch whatever's live, and I'll be like, "What the fuck is this? Why are you watching? Um, what was he watching? Along came Polly. I was like, "Why did you just chose that?" And he was like, "Nope, it's just on." <laughs> oh, it, it, it just like randomly generates. <laughs> yeah, it shows you whatever content. is currently streaming. Jump into streaming. the middle of a movie you don't care about. And yeah, so you're not sitting through like the weird opening credits or anything. I, it makes I, me I feel like a like kid. That. I re- I remember yeah. being like, "Oh, I'm just." get to watch TV no matter what I want to watch. You can really just like, just totally veg out, like turn your brain off for a minute. Totally. And you, you can it's explain nice. why you watch, why you've watched Joe Dirt 38 times in your life. I've never explained that to anyone because it's right. awesome. Right. It's <laughs> good stuff. Um, so we don't like have like a super big agenda for the show today because I like Thank when we God. have guests to just like drink and talk about what we like and don't like. Um, and when we asked Lindsay if she wanted to be on the show, she very graciously said yes. And I asked her, I was like, all right, well, what are you into drinking these days? And she said, Sherry mm. and uh, aged rum. Aged mm-hmm. rum. Is that, yep. that, that's what you've been into? That's what I'm into. And I actually, I have to thank you guys for that because when I first started working with you on Pocket Liquor, you guys, I was still pregnant, so I wasn't tasting a lot of that stuff, but I would get little nips here and there while you guys were doing the show. And it kind of piqued my interest. I learned a lot about rum that I I thought I knew stuff already, but I really didn't. And that's why I love your show, by the way, if I can just, if I may well, talk you. about <laughs> how, how funny it is that you guys can just put information in a way that doesn't like make me fall asleep. It's really funny. It's very, very in-depth knowledge and it actually like stuck with me. So rum was one of those that got my interest much more piqued in that in a way that I hadn't really had before. But, that, well, we're, to hear. we're actually kind of playing with fire, I think talking too much about the rum especially <laughs> aged rum um i think jason and i've both kind of gravitated towards rum because you know the bourbon scene what's going on with pricing and availability uh, there's just not a ton of value really out there uh, not the way it was at least five ten years ago totally um but rum has this really cool kind of canvas of 
uh, terroir and price points and availability. Um, and rum, I think, is still confusing to a lot of people. So mm. if you can kind of get in the know, you can kind of drink really awesome stuff. Uh, and not just uh, not just stuff you would drink straight. I mean, things are great for cocktails also. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I, I, I got really into it after after a couple things I tried with you guys. Um, and and it's just it's not it's not what I thought it was at all with like just being, you know, Bacardi or what is the really dark one that goes in Gosling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I've, ha- I've been having some fun with that during the summertime. But Sherry is always because I'm like kind of an old I'm turning into an old lady. It's just an easy sipping, like fun. I can carry it around and like just just <laughs> gently sip on it and, and get this really like mellow buzz that that I can't really get from other things. Yeah, I, I get that with um, like fortified wines in general, like dry sherries and like Madeiras, but also like sake. Like it's something mm. you can drink when you're not trying. Like there are just some days like, hey, I've got stuff to do tomorrow. I don't need to be sitting, be sitting here drinking like really strong bourbon yeah. or spirits. But I can drink some sake or some sherry and you kind of feel it has that feel of like you're drinking like a whiskey or something mm-hmm. like that, like a spirit. Uh, but you're not. Um, yeah. I'll just but like you're also like, you can tell like I'm I'm drinking something and it's so <laughs> complex and it's crazy to like taste it when it's cold and let it warm up and all the stuff that opens up is it's a, I'm, we've been meaning to talk about sherry on the show for a long time. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, like, again, like not getting too nerdy about it, just like, hey, this is what to look for and, and all that stuff. So because it is uh, really confusing. I think people, you know, obviously think an old lady, they're like, ew, like <laughs> Sherry is really gross, but it's it's not. It's it's totally blew my mind. And I know people are playing with it in cocktails and, and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm curious if you ever mess around with that. Oh, in- for sure. Uh a, a really easy thing to do and we'll get into like some like nitty gritty style stuff but if you take like a really dry like fino sherry and add like a dash like a quarter ounce or less to a uh, traditional daiquiri and just shake it in there it really it adds another little almost you almost miss it but it kind of dries the drink out a little bit mm-hmm. and adds a little nutty undertone um and we're going to say the, the term nutty over and over when you're talking about sherry. <laughs> yeah. It's just like what makes sense. It tastes like walnuts sometimes. You know, that's just how it is. Yep. Um, and yeah, yeah, sherry and cocktails. I mean, the sherry cobbler is a super, super old school cocktail that is delicious when it's done right. What's in that? So, I mean, it, you can kind of, it's another like, what do you have in the pantry kind of drink? You got some sherry, you want to give it a little kick. You can add a spirit to it if you want. That's not super traditional, but basically like some sherry, maybe some sugar, uh, whatever kind of fruits or berries you have around. What? Basically, you just kind of kind of shake that shit together um, or just save the fruit for the garnish. It's basically cold. It's a, it's, it's a snow cone for sherry. I was going to say, is this a sherry slushy? Basically, yeah. Just like <laughs> basically a sherry slushy. Yeah, you can put it in like a, a julep shit. cup if you have or a wine glass. It doesn't matter. Um, and if you have a lemon or an orange sitting around, you can kind of muddle it in there if you want or not mm. just stick it in and it kind of will you know get infused as you sit there and let it and drink it if you got a bunch of mint to put on top great there's no like i'm sure there there's like a you know uh bar smarts or whatever like certified recipe for the sherry cobbler but you can do whatever you want if you have if you have crushed ice and sherry and maybe some sugar and fruit you're good to go it's an old school drink. I mean, like yeah. I mean, think about like eighteenth, like nineteenth century. It's a very old school drink. I don't yes. know exactly where it came from. But imagine, imagine you're in a place like, like Charleston or Savannah or Atlanta, and like you've got sherry around, and it's hot as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Fridge refrigeration isn't quite a thing. 
but you know maybe the the bar or whatever that your or hotel that you're staying at has access to ice and they smash that up and put it on ice you're gonna it's super refreshing it's, it's gonna it, change it's, your it's life. from the same like school of thought as like mint juleps oh shit um, yeah so like like whiskey smashes and cobblers or just smashes in general cobblers and uh, juleps are kind of in the same ish wheelhouse of thought like boozy but super super cold maybe in a metal glass lots of garnish on top like i can't believe no one's ever said the word cobbler to me in reference to a cocktail before in my 33 years on this planet it's i mean you it's, just blew my mind with this <laughs> there was a little kick a few years ago where i got asked for a lot of sherry cobblers but i think there was like you know like a punch article out or something like that about <laughs> yeah them, which is great i'm not nothing wrong with that when if paltrow put it out on goop and then uh, <laughs> everybody really loved it after that and then you take the activated charcoal and, <laughs> and you, you just shove it in your <laughs> anyway good boy then crushed ice yeah, yeah. thanks <laughs> Thanks, Gwynny. Weirdo. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, you keep mentioning like kind of the old lady thing, um, and you know, when I when I drink a lot of fortified wines, I kind of feel like an old British person. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's part of the charm. It's one of those things. I I think that sherry's kind of suffer the same fate that most fortified wines have, which they were extremely popular a long time ago when they shipped really well and they kept really well, and then they kind of found their way into food. And then that turns into a lot of cheap, disgusting sherry, cheap, disgusting port and Madeira and Marsala mm. uh, that are you know five ninety nine for a big jug of it, and you just put it in the sauce, <laughs> and they taste terrible. And you know if you're a teenager, let's be honest, if you're a teenager at someone's house and you're trying to get a little buzz on, if you find that jug of cooking sherry, and you have a cup of it or two, it's terrible. Yeah. And you probably have this mindset of why would anyone drink this? The only reason anyone would ever drink sherry is because they're old. They don't have any taste buds mm-hmm. and they grew up before the world wars. Right. And they were I out of night. I reiterate that this show is for anyone over the age of 21. <laughs> if you're not over 21, please, please stop listening to this and uh, go study, please, please, <laughs> please, get, please. Just get back to practicing for your SATs. Yes. You're going to be yes. great. Yeah, um, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. No, I think you're totally right. That's one of those things that it's, it gets bastardized just by how people happen upon what's available. And, and when you actually have something that's that's really well made and like has a lot of finesse, like it, it just in the past couple of years, I've gotten really more and more into into the vibe that is sherry. There's more. I mean, there's certainly a lot more available now. We've got two or three bottles on um, just on the table in front of us. And this is far and away like it, it's crazy to see what's on the shelves now. Because, I mean, I remember at one point in time, Sherry, you would see, maybe you would see a row of the cooking stuff, and then maybe you would see, um, gosh, maybe Loose Style, something like that. Uh, maybe a Sherry released by Sandemans. There would be like a big porthouse mm-hmm. that would also have an interest in Sherry, and they would just have this one-off um, kind of bottle that you find kicking on the shelf. But other than that, there was really nothing to explore. Um, and style-wise, you couldn't, you know... The, the gamut of, you know, bone dry to kind of medium dry to, I mean, Pedro Jimenez is, you know, syrup. I mean, you can put that on ice cream. Yes. Um, it is so thick and sweet and rich. So there's uh, a lot going on there. And and just for anybody playing at home, like if you want to get into sherry, sherry is one of those cool wine things you can get into and not spend a ton of money. That's the other reason I yeah. like it. I'm like, And it keeps yeah. for a really long time. I keep it in my fridge and I'm just like, it's 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 always there for me. So I just cracked open this bottle of uh, Fino um, from uh, uh, Toro Abola. And uh, this is their Electrico. It's pretty easy to find. It comes in the nicest 
this nice what is this 375 is that what this size is is that the standard like yep. size yeah. for a uh, sherry that's the most size um well this it comes it comes guy. in 750s i mean it, it's it's pretty common to see them in smaller bottles because it kind of packs the the strength of a bottle of wine in the smaller size i guess they're like please don't well, treat no. this like a bottle of wine <laughs> actually <laughs> actually i'm to understand that that size bottle like in spain like that is a personal bottle no way um, yeah, I would believe. I've got to move. I mean, this this 750 size bottle of wine in my life is a personal bottle. Yeah, right of non fortified wine. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Put, if I open a bottle of wine, I'm drinking it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, but it, take it down. If you're prepping for dinner, cooking dinner, eating dinner, maybe a little glass after dinner. I mean, it's not really. I That's mean, so true. If yeah. you're having food and you're spanning it out over a over that kind of time, I mean, drinking a bottle of wine is really not that crazy of a feat, you know. Mm-mm. Don't let old time how to tell you how to live your life, but that's, <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's so just usually I'm, I'm the only ev- one drinking I'm not it at my every house. Every single like- day, I drink a whole bottle of wine to myself, <laughs> but I'm not saying I don't. <laughs> Either way. So, so Lindsay Fino, like, it, if someone sees Fino on a bottle, what should they expect when they get home and they get a glass clean and ready to rock and roll? I mean, to me, like, pretty, pretty dry, um, super light in body, and almost like a salty characteristic mm-hmm. to it that I really enjoy. But like. But definitely on the more, like, just kind of easy drinking. Like, it's not... Uh, some people think it's a little offensively dry. They're like, ah, that's always the face that you get when someone is, is trying Fino for the first time. Because yeah. they, for whatever reason, there's kind of like a sweeter or richer connotation that people immediately conjure up, I think, when they think of Sherry. That makes sense, yeah. Um, Not as sweet as, like, the PX, but... Because people aren't ready for that either. But th- I think there's a lot of misconceptions. Th- this this is light and savory. Yeah. I mean, light, savory. Totally. I mean, this makes me think of like um, Marcona olives. Um, olives, what am I saying? Almonds. Olives, Marcona al- almonds, uh, um, cheeses, hams, things like that. Yes. Just something light, sip, any pasta. It's, it's almost like they make this stuff in Spain. Spain, where all that stuff is super <laughs> popular. Now, Jace just showed me this bottle, and he pointed out that on this bottle of Fino, the words Pedro Jimenez are on the label. Um, I'm going to say something, Lindsay. I want What's you to, up with that? I want you to tell me if I'm right or not. Oh, God. Pedro Jimenez is both a grape and a style of sherry. That's my understanding. Okay. But the my understanding is like when you think of a P, when I think of PX sherry that that's a distinction on how the sherry has been treated, not necessarily the grape that was used. Right. But is are they saying in this one that this is the grape that was used, but it's not in a typical that, style? That's kind of, I think that's what it's alluding to. Because okay. um, what's what's the other, uh, Palomino? Is that Palomino the, Fino. That's the other big grape? Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, Pedro Jimenez, like the style is like very, like thick, a lot of residual sugar. It's not even a wine that you would drink really on its own. You just kind of have it with dessert or um, think it makes a cool cocktail. This on the other end, I mean, I love that the salty savoriness. Yes. I mean, it's it like it on the nose. It's really good. Yeah. No. I mean, it's almost like you could you could get trashy and like like you said, throw some ice in there and and not even maybe without the fruit and just sit outside on yeah. the lawn. Maybe I'll play a little croquette. There you go. <laughs> Croquet. 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 Maybe I'll have a ham well, croquette. So, uh, ham, ham, <laughs> ham and cheese croquette maybe in Spain. Maybe I'll take a play. croquette mallet and I'll hit ham croquettes with it. Guys, I'm already drunk. I'm this down. is gonna. This is going poorly. <laughs> this is going great. What are you talking about? Uh, um, it's very cool. But that's weird because wait a minute. No, if there's Palomino Fino, meaning Palomino must be the grape and Fino the distinction on how it's 
Now I, I'm getting I confused. Think right. I think I, I think fino is like the style, which means like really light, um, um, aged under floor, so that's not super oxidized, right? Yes. Floor being the layer of dead yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to back up, like. Sherry is matured in a stack of barrels called the Solera system, which we'll talk more about later. Um, and for the most part, like it, it, it basically you have the really old stuff maybe at the top of the stack or, you know, whoever, I'm not telling you how to live your life if you're making <laughs> Sherry, but like top of the stack is the old stuff. And then they kind of blend that down into the younger barrels that are below it to make a more, to first of all, give a little bit more age to the barrels that are towards the bottom of the Solera system, but uh, and also to make a more homogenous product. Right. Just like blended scotch. Like you want oh blended God. scotch to taste the same every time. They have they pay people a lot of money with great palates to be the master blenders for like Johnny Walker or, uh, you know, Monkey Shoulder or whatever mm-hmm. because they want it to a homogenous product that all tastes the same every time. Um, so that's how sherry gets aged. It's, you know, fermented, uh, fortified wine, gets put into barrels, um, some sherries are aged under what's called floor, F-L-O-R, which is a layer of dead yeast that floats on the top. I think it's fleur. 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 If you say the word Barcelona to me, you're out of here, <laughs> by the way. I would never do that to you. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. I don't know why. I know that's how you're supposed to say it, but like people come home, like if you're like, stu- like studied abroad or something, like, oh, I just oh, found a semester in Barcelona. <laughs> I'm like, get Is the it fuck true that the king had a lisp and, in- and made a law that everyone had to speak with a lisp? Is this a wives' tale? Do you I, guys I've know? I've never heard that before. I've heard that as being the reason that they speak with that distinction is that there was the king, and I'm, I obviously don't know his name. Yeah. But he had a, a lisp, and instead of being humiliated for his speech impediment, he made it so that everybody had to speak in that manner. That sounds a, like a lie that the British made up. Somebody made that up, and, and I Just bought like it. Napoleon is and short, right. and the Germans kill babies. Okay, they, they, probably, they probably did kill some. But, yeah, I um, um, anyway, I, I don't. I don't know. But when when I was in Spain years and years ago, like I found that. Like while I was there, like the lisp that they have, I th- I found it very endearing and like really romantic, and I was like, wow, this is so cool over here. But when someone comes home, <laughs> yeah, <it's so laughs> from bad. Spain, and they're like, oh, we had the greatest time in Barcelona with all oh, the tapas, and I'm like, Barcelona, Get the- mm, I can't handle it. Somebody so. said that the other day. They were like, oh, I love to just queue up, and I was like, you're from Kansas, so <laughs> please don't ever say queue up. And also, why would would you like to stand right, in form line? Form a queue. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? I was like, a queue. The letter Q. <laughs> form a queue. That's uh, not what you would say. Stand in line. <laughs> yeah. Meet like-minded folks. <laughs> yes. Right. Similar stand goals. In line. Just All right. Get in that's, line. That's, 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 but yeah, the Solera exactly. system is, and I think you're right. Except I don't know why I always thought it was the opposite. I thought the the, the newer stuff was at the top, and then it kind of shuffled down. You until the right. end result, like a little board game, was the sticky, icky stuff You're that had been. Probably so, right. okay, so, I have no idea. So just, and I'm, I swear to God, I'm not playing devil's advocate here. <laughs> I thought it was basically a blend of what you're both saying, which is the <laughs> oldest stuff is up top. Everything that's younger is underneath. You pull from the top of the stack because that has the age, the ideal age you know, you're looking for. And then that cask is refilled from the casks that are underneath it. Those casks are refilled from the casks that are underneath it. And you're not, you never completely empty any barrel out. Yeah. So you're just topping up. Uh, it, yeah. That sounds, that sounds like, like it. Because right, evaporation happens. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so as you pull from the Solera system, you keep adding younger wines into the older wines. And that goes all the way down kind of in a pyramid. 
Mm. Uh, yeah, and that and Solera and Solera, you you see this with uh, sherry. Uh, you'll also see it with uh, some whiskeys and some rums and things like that out there. So the word gets used in a few different spots. Very yes. cool. Yeah, so that that's kind of like the base like understanding you need to have. And then there are some that are like we talked about were aged under floor, the dead yeast like floating to the top and creating this sort of like blanket that prevents oxidation. And then some where they take that out so that it allows oxidation. Like uh, Oloroso, right, is, is yes. allowed, allows yep. oxidation, which is yep. a style of sherry. That's one of my favorites. Do we have one of those? Is this, no, this so right? we have we have an Amontillado, and Amontillado um, definitely will have a little bit of that nutty kind of oxidation to yeah. it. Uh, and then there's, I think Amontillado is kind of in the those middle. Those casks also are great for hiding bodies. Oh, the ca- <laughs> oh, oh, naturally. <laughs> a lot of people disappeared in those, those casks. Yeah. yeah, Edgar Allan Poe had a whole thing about that. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, that story uh, where yeah, he walks through. Yes, yeah. that is terrifying. Right. Whereas he's like walking, he's like, come on down. And he walks through the wine cellar. And as he is, it's like the line with bodies that are just like have been trapped down there and sealed in. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's a really scary story. Yeah, you should tell your kids all about that. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you have a couple glasses of sherry and then tell your kids a bedtime story I, from my, Edgar Allan Poe? My dad had uh, like a collection of Edgar Allan Poe. Like, I don't know. He, he liked that, I guess, in, in college. And uh your dad's so, so goth. I know. And like, <laughs> it's funny because my dad is so not at all. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, he likes Beatles, but like, he likes the like the fun upbeat songs. Like, he's, he's a huge Beatles fan, like, but he doesn't like the dark that, ones, Yeah, you know? none of that. He's, he's he's like no Eleanor Rigby. Okay, I want to hold your hand. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, he's. It's funny because he, you know, on one hand, he's like this. You know, super like always in a good mood, upbeat guy, and then he also loves Edgar Allan Poe. He's a little emo, deep down I mean, inside. I, I got a lot of that in, in me from. <laughs> I was gonna say you're you're a very yeah. emo kid. Oh, oh, super emo kid. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. I've got. Oh man. It's the best part about you. Uh, are the, do we have a picture of like mustacheless emo teenage Jace? Well, we've got bottles that I'll show you in a minute, Lindsay. Uh, my friend <laughs> made me. Uh, my friend Justin, uh, who we've mentioned on the show before, uh, has made me a, a line of amaro um what uh yeah if you if you want to grab he, them he, they're the they're the ones with my face on them behind the tequila on the bar there yeah he is an overachiever for sure he made four different amaros at home with old oh. pictures of me from facebook you guys and, these are amazing yeah well pocket liquor will put a picture up of these uh later on sunshine the werewolf yes. and it's just it looks like you're holding a dead possum uh, it's a, it's a it's a live armadillo live armadillo yes like that i caught with my bare hands one night wow, wow. you've so got some good, long good, curly good way hair. to get salmonella yeah well totally not drinking at all i imagine <laughs> and then this one is informal gluttony and it looks like you're it's halloween and maybe you're a yep. dead football player uh yeah, zombie or something. I think that year. Okay. Yeah. And they're all names of uh, like uh, like death metal songs that we loved. Oh my god, this is great. Growing uh, growing up in Who, like this I Justin met, guy met, really I, loves you. Oh yeah, we're, he was in my wedding. He's he's a cool he, guy. He gave me all these uh, at my bachelor party in, in New Orleans. Oh my god. We'll we'll have to put a picture up of these. Uh, yes. Um, <clears throat> so yes. Anyway, Edgar Allan Poe, Amontillado. Amontillado, <laughs> <laughs> the cask of Amontillado. This is an emo kid at heart. Um, but the Amontillado is intentionally oxidized. Sees a little more. Is that correct? Uh, I think so. That's where it gets that nuttiness. It's funny that like it up on the internet. This is pocket liquor, but this is not like an open book test. Like I literally have the book called Sherry right there on the shelf over there. I also love like, the name oh. Sherry as a, w- a woman's name. If I had had anything other than boys, 
I was gonna. I was. Yeah. It was high in the running. Sherry. Nice. Uh, it is a great name. I love. I love that too. Because you don't know if she's gonna be like really fucking wild, or maybe <laughs> she's just sort of a prude. Like it could go either way. But if depends her name's Sherry. Depends on the Sherry. size of the bottle that you're. That you're <laughs> yeah. The personal bottle you're drinking <laughs> <Right>. that day. <laughs> yeah, it depends on if you're more of a seven fifty kind of guy or gal or what it whatever it might be. Uh, one of our our first or second guest on the show, Cam, uh, was a big fan of Sherry and. But we'd, we'd have some parties, and I always was kind of curious. I was like, is it a 750 bottle of sherry kind of cam night? Or Just a, what, what am I in for? What are we getting into? So, so Amontillado is somewhere between like a Fino and an Oloroso. Mm. Uh, so a floor will develop, but if the floor doesn't hold or kind of goes away uh, and the wine starts to oxidize, um, it becomes Amontillado. So it's somewhere, so it, it, is, it does have a dry kind of nutty woody finish mm-hmm. but it also has some oxidation notes um and it is fortified i mean you, they're usually about 17 and a half percent alcohol so amontillado is sort of like this is just what happened with this, with this <laughs> yeah. particular barrel or batch and it's just like all right you, this is you know now, what this you know, is it, what you get yeah which i i, I kind of like no i'm into that So this is we, what you brought, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So confusingly, we've just been talking a lot about Amontillado, of which we will taste one here. But um, kind of the next step up from Fino is Manzanilla. Yeah, Manzanilla. Yes. Manzanilla. And this one, I do. This kind of amps up the. First of all, I really like Akiva Navasos. Like I mm-hmm. actually even find their Pedro Jimenez sherry to have enough acidity that I can drink it on its own. I've had it. It's great. it's fucking good. Yeah. And if you put it next to something like you were saying, really yeah. sweet, it um it actually seems real light on its feet. So like yeah. with dessert or something, I've 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 changed a lot of people's minds like guest wise table side about Pedro Jimenez sherry because they're just like this doesn't taste like any sherry I've ever had. No, that's it's something I could totally, especially you know as a nightcap, like hmm. end of the day it is it's really comforting and just oh yeah, um, it's it's got. It's got just enough complexity to keep you engaged, but it's still like something that you're not like, what am I trying to figure out here? <laughs> yeah, it's not. You, I hate that when you can tell, like, you know, the people at the table you're with, they're like, oh, I'm trying to figure out what that is. Like, can we <laughs> please talk about normal things? Like, Could I not have a think piece at the end of my meal? Yeah. I just really want to just drink just it. Just like your mid-sentence, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, it's a cucumber. Like, what are you fucking <laughs> talking about? That's not even close <laughs> to being correct. Um, <laughs> But they make some really, really what great shit. Are you on? You're wrong, Cheryl. You're wrong. <laughs> Cheryl, shut the hell up. Um, but I love a Kipo Navaso stuff. And this um, this one, it almost has that like Quikos vibe. Do, am I saying that wrong? Kikos? Quikos, the little crispy corn nuts. Oh. Bar nuts that you get that like yeah, 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 when you want to feel like you're in Spain, you can buy yeah. them in plastic tubs. We call them, we call them corn nuts here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was calling them Quikos just know. to be a dick. But they. Um, I get that vibe from this because this also has more viscosity. Like, there's more of a, mm-hmm. a silky mouthfeel to this right. than the one that we just tasted, and I'm I'm sure that's part of that sherry process. Uh, I think one could maybe argue that sherry might be like the most food friendly, or uh, um, like Plyler will will use the term uh, food promiscuous. Um, <laughs> yes, 
like beverage out there it's it just begs like i mean i wish i had like some peanuts or something but Mm -hmm. you know we had the episode where plyler was eating nachos the whole time we had to edit the whole thing out so (laughs) we don't we don't really eat on the show ever since then we never got to eat again and now i have to wear a shirt (laughs) (laughs) what is the world coming to yeah um but yeah it's it, it it is like you take a sip especially like this is a great example like i was like i really wish we had like some even like some shitty bar mix or something Mm -hmm. like it goes so well with like nutty salty fatty foods i wish i had some of those blue diamond thai chili spiced almonds like just those trashy ones that are all the flavors Mm -hmm. where like those are those are this is barbecue wasabi (laughs) honey chili ranch sriracha (laughs) green goddess yes all of those all that stuff um it does make you want to just eat something it's like it's so I don't know. There's there's such that like savory element for uh-huh. sure. And I, I, it's something we've I think we've kind of talked about a little bit, but I think we need to as as a nation address more is <laughs> drinking culture. Nice in Europe presidential versus, voice <laughs> versus yeah. As a nation, we need to talk about bar nuts. Um, <laughs> but like as American drinking culture versus European drinking culture is super different. Like you start drinking at a younger age, but very responsibly. Generally, that obviously there's you know yes. outliers. There's some psychos out uh, there. Russia, um, <laughs> uh, Russia. <laughs> uh, just not a whole country, just vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the entire continent except for. You know. Anyway, but you start drinking, you know, with your parents and like with your family at a younger age. You not like drinking a lot, but like you taste things and you are you know drinking with food and that's like you know like i said when i was in spain like you you don't even ask for it if you order a glass of wine somewhere you get some sort of snack whether it's just almonds or it might be even like a plate of ham and it's like just included in the cost yeah um that's there was a place in brooklyn called trash bar that had only van seats like out of like minivans as the chairs and booths but they would always fry you up some tater tots every time you ordered a beer that's all so it'd be like all these wow. like really poor brooklyn kids in there like living on tater tots and like pbrs like, <laughs> like we need I, I bought a beer just please just please drop those tots <laughs> i think they figured that like if we don't feed these kids <laughs> they're all gonna die yeah, we're, yeah. Gonna lose no we're gonna have a lawsuit no one's gonna, gonna feed them <laughs> Yeah, it was like a homeless shelter. Hey, son, it's uh, Dad calling, just checking in. How's Brooklyn? Oh, just hanging out at the trash bar again. God damn what? it. What? <laughs> disappointment to this well, family. there's free, free tater tots about all I'm living on these days. Yeah, but I was like, this is what I'm talking yeah. about. Like, this yeah, is fucking service. Yeah, bar, bar snacks are... Even at trash bar, they get a fucking snack. I'm not saying that, like, we need to all start giving away, like, stuff for free in America. Our margins are pretty tight at every oh, yeah. restaurant you talk for to. For sure. But... I think that it's it's time we talk about like our drinking culture is often like let's go for you know margarita night not eat anything until it's too late. I'm actually and, like and you're making bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. I, I as I'm getting older, I'm like honestly learning, and I've realized like I I really approach drinking in a weird way for a long time, and like mm-hmm. now I feel like not that I'm like grown up, but I feel much more more like oh this is how you're not supposed to like black out the second you start drinking and then not remember your night but i feel like for so many years like that was like the goal is like just get as drunk as you can because your parents don't incorporate that into your life where i'm like my mom you don't know how to drink right my mom shut me down so hard when i wanted a tattoo she was like oh i'd love to i'd love to get a tattoo with you and i was like Oh, okay. Um, like, so I feel like drinking is the same. Like in yeah. Europe, they're like, oh, you want to have some wine? It's like, it takes this like rebel mystery 
out of drinking and you can actually learn how to appreciate it instead of being like, let me just get as hammered as I can when no one's looking. Damn, yeah. your mom sounds smart. <laughs> she's really fucking smart. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, she, um, was, she got a Jesus tattoo and I was like, cool. <laughs> I'm, all right, I'm good. Good for her. I'm all set. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. But like, hey, if you're asleep when he comes back, you know, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we'll take her. <laughs> I didn't see the lamb's blood on the door. So I'll, I'll check her. I'll just check everyone, I guess. Um, well, she's got a I tattoo. thought I made it very clear about the lamb's blood. Am I the only yeah, one? Did, I, did nobody get the memo <laughs> on the lamb's blood? But yeah, it's you're right. If you can put something out that that is delicious, first of all, it's like just makes mm-hmm. both food and the whatever you're drinking better. Yes. Then that's just a win-win. Yeah. And, you know, you don't drink on an empty stomach. <laughs> you can drink, potentially, now that you should, you could drink more and right. longer. No, and totally. And not get fucking weird out of nowhere. That's right. If you aren't drinking on an empty stomach. Word to the uh, west. All right, enough of the yeah. preachy. We need to try this Amontillado. <laughs> Tyler's like, we don't have right. any food and I want to drink more. Yeah, I mean, we're just talking. Yeah, I'm looking, looking at the clock here. <laughs> Um, by the way, Lindsay, are you are you good on time? Oh yeah, or are you good, good on time. Yeah. Um, so Amontillado, are we going in like the order? Have you got we, this all I figured mean, out? Ish. We we don't have an Oloroso and okay. we don't have a Pedro Jimenez. Um, but other than that, but we're, other than that, yes, we're we are stepping up. I'm pretty. I'm glad I remembered the order. I I'm mean, proud I feel, of you. Feel pretty good about <laughs> that. Yeah, you should. Um, and just folks, as far as like. As far as like pricing on this goes, just to kind of ballpark this out for you, um, the bottle I'm pouring now is from uh, Valdespino. This is their Contrabandista. This is their uh, medium dry Amontillado blend. Uh, this is on the shelf at bottles right now for $16.99. Yeah. Say, actually, this, the Kiba Navasas, it's the smaller. It's this, what, $350? Better. $350? $325? $375? There you yeah. go. Um, it was 16 at Monarch. Yeah. I was like shockingly, I was like, that's a, that's yeah. a nice little. That is a hell of a good a deal. It's a steal for yeah. as for, elegant as that drinks. And as, absolutely. That's mm-hmm. a as nice hell of a time as you're going to have by having that little bottle. So yeah, much darker color on this one. We are really, I'm proud of you, Plyler. We're stepping up right in order here. Well, listen, this was not really well planned. You showed up with the Manzanilla, which is awesome. I had awesome. the missing piece. I already had the Amontillado open at home and... Uh, Jace rolls in with a Fino, so it just all kind of worked out. Guys, we're we're killing it. We, this is going to be the best episode ever. <laughs> I uh, I already get more of that like raisinated quality, yeah. right? It's it's already it's it. Before this, I even this, taste this it. is where you start getting into like the sexy kind of sherry's, like oh mm. wow, like this is this is fun to drink. Um, and for some of the darker ones like this, like I like I, I really I echo what you guys were saying earlier. I mean. Um, I love this on the rocks. I'll kind of look at it. I, I do this with Madeira as well. I'll look at this like as whiskey, like put it on the mm-hmm. rocks, maybe a splash of water and just kind of sip on it. It's half as strong as whiskey. It has a lot of those oxidized, nutty, kind of deep woodsy flavors to it. And yeah, and it's not that expensive. Yeah, this is so, I mean, this is, real. I've never had this one before, but it is, it is so, so elegant. And it's almost got like a, like a, you guys know Lyle's golden syrup? Have you ever had that stuff? I don't know if I have. It's like a British syrup, basically. It's not maple syrup, cause, so it doesn't have that mapley vibe, but it's got that like really oh, can, like like, like, like a treacle kind of yes. thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost like that, but then the acidity like just comes right in behind yeah. it, and it's really, really good. Yeah, it's a much is, darker. And, and also at, at that price point, Plyler, that's a, for a seven fifty. That's a full like wine bottle size. 
that's something that you don't need to feel bad about, like throwing a splash of in your sauce if you're making dinner. Absolutely right. Yeah. It's like yeah. something that's good enough to cook with or good enough to drink and really enjoy, but also like you can, you know, use it for a for a really badass, you know. Oh yeah, like that cream cherry sauce or something. Yeah, that cherry cream. Um, I mean, you know, sherry like very famously, especially in the Low Country, uh, goes with like cream based. Soups. Oh yeah, talking so, about she crab so soup like up she in crab here. Soup, yeah, and the problem with she crab soup, and I'm not mentioning any names, but there are <laughs> places around town that will sell she crab soup, and they'll give you like a little shot of sherry to go with it, which is great. It kind of helps thin out some of the cream, but unless the, it's bad sherry, it, which they're getting out of a jug <laughs> from out back, and it tastes terrible. Unless it's by a company that also makes vinegars. And yeah, yeah, and it's like it's like well, and I, they're right next to each other, and the new guys on the sherry. Duties. I ordered, I ordered this new, I ordered this great bowl of soup why did they give me this disgusting shot to go along with it yeah Yeah. no it is one of those things that for me got so bastardized like I'd never had a proper she crab soup my grandmother used to have this like cross-stitched needle point thing of like the recipe of she crab soup and I was like what's what's up with the sherry like why would anybody just pour straight booze on top and I I think we were downtown like at one of I'm not gonna name any names when I was a kid and had some and I was like I don't want that stuff (laughs) on there but well, it, it's really so smart because... And if you're a kid, you're not supposed to have that. <laughs> right. Also, yeah, there's so many, so many things wrong with this picture, but it like... it. Lindsay loves her fortified line. <laughs> yep. I have since I was a small child. Yeah, get it to her before the ice cream comes out. <laughs> but it like, it balances it out in like a way that makes, like you said, a cream soup totally something that's not going to be like gross. Right. Because don't you hate when, when guests say that? Like, is it creamy? Is the soup creamy? Like they're like going to throw up and you're like, sometimes it is. And sometimes that's good. If it's balanced. Yep. I don't know. What was the problem? I don't want it. Otherwise I don't like cream based soups. That's always like, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. I'm well. a full fat kind of girl. Yeah. No, get, get, get out a of cream here. based soup. Okay. Is now totally listen, great. if you have like a, like a digestion issue or yes. something, I'm sorry. Well, then we're that. not talking to you. We've definitely, we respect your choices. But And it also comes down to, you know, how are they serving the soup? Is yeah. it coming? I mean, do you get a small cup or does it come in a football helmet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, ser- yes. the, the serving size has a lot to do with the cream based soup. <laughs> I like cream based soups, but you know, to, to a degree. Yeah, Totally. No, this is this is is this the kind that you would put on the side of like a she crab? This I mean, is honestly, the one. Yeah, honestly, I I would because it's like not like it's it's fairly light, dry, and has some acid to it because you need that to kind of cut on that. I think you're right. Yeah, but, and, and uh, the this amontillado, there's also enough. There's enough of everything going on there to where it could kind of like thin out the cream a little bit, but not totally be diluted and get lost. Yeah, I could do a fino with a cream based uh, soup, but it would have to be with it rather than in it if that makes sense yes because i don't feel like the fino has enough structure to really stand up to something like that you know yeah. it might just get washed away like and i make I, I i used to i haven't made it in a long time but i i really like making like a cream based sauce like similar to like what i'll f- like not what super traditional alfredo is which is just butter and cheese but like like what we kind of think of alfredo is now and you know throwing like some pecans or walnuts in it and then a splash of something Ooh. like this Holy shit. These are chef secrets that yes. young uh, Derek Jason McConnell is giving away right now, folks. Dude, that sounds amazing. <laughs> chef it's secrets. Not, it's not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> I literally pretty, just told everyone. Pretty normal. Um, but the toasted pecans, I mean, yeah. 
You could throw that right on there. Like, like it's, said, and this is also getting listen. me really excited because we're kind of, I know it's still hot as fuck here, but we're like, we're like slow on the descent into more of those oh. fall flavors that I'm getting really pumped about. I'm, like, I'm so ready. Well, this, this plus ice and soda water makes a really nice little highball You're also. Speaking my language. Little sherry highball just when it's still hot like this and you want it to be fall, but you know, it's yes. still not. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You could, you could turn this into a cobbler. And now I'm kind of thinking, Stop why isn't anyone making like sherried peach cobblers? Holy shit. Like the dessert. Oh my God. You could do both. You could have sherry peach cobblers, peaches in your cobbler, and then the baked dessert, sherried peach cobbler. Dude. Jace, are you also thinking slushy machine? Because I think we're reading what? each other's thoughts right now. Oh calm, calm down. Hold on. I'm just. I- if there was a fucking <laughs> slushy with some of the sherry yeah. and peaches, I, I would have an end of the summer party with that. All right. Well, let's get on. Let's let's find it. Can a you date. please let's develop go. that? Like, <laughs> we know a guy. Minutes. We know how to get a slushy machine. <laughs> yeah. You better believe we know how to rent Between a slushy machine. Between the two machine. of you, I'm we surprised know, there's not one we, here just no, churning we, away. We made a slushy thing happen a couple of weekends ago. Really? Come on down to the pocket liquor block party with slushy machines that no one wants. <laughs> Full of stuff your kids will hate. Sheet crab soup slushies <laughs> for everybody with a shooter on the side. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. just saying we're printing money. Lord Byron loved this punch, and you won't like it at all. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was saying I would what? try it. Are ice we, cream, she crab soup, ice cream. It, it'd be like the like what do they call like the medieval fairs that people do? Uh, <laughs> oh, medieval a times, a Renaissance fair, LARPing. That's live action that, role play for yeah, the novice yeah. at home. Why are there fish heads in the punch bowl? <laughs> well, this is a traditional recipe brought down by. James Oglethorpe when he founded Savannah down in 1733. No more meat, no more meat for me. Two horns are enough. <laughs> oh my god, we could throw the absolute worst nerdiest party. I mean, why aren't you? Why? I, so I, I do have these fantasies of throwing. Drop a line like, to pocketlicker at gmail.com if you guys want us to do yeah, this. If you yeah. would attend a private want, live action I, I, role play I, I wanna, renaissance I throw, party. I want to throw like a, a Dickensian party where we have like large hunks of like roasted meats and different punches and cask beer and things like that but we let the meats sit out at like room temperature for three or four days before we actually yes. cook it. Uh, well we definitely. have to cook off the rancid that's <laughs> yes. what that's what you do heavenly yeah. spice <laughs> yeah just scrape that part meat, off mince meat pies and mm. whatnot well <laughs> no wonder they were chugging sherry and shit like that back then what yeah what where, how this is a question for you Plyler. how long or how far back does sherry really date like when when do we see this kind of kicking off um in our, in our universe? damn uh so as far as like as far as digging back into fortified wines i mean i may have the dates wrong but you start to see this pop up around like the 15 1600s wow so you see you see wines being shipped around and there's this idea of how do we make them sturdier? How can they be? How can they not go bad in a barrel when we put them on a boat and send them kind of out and about? Um, now the those f- boats are slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Dutch and the French, what they would do is they would take wine, they would try to concentrate it down so that it could be reconstituted with water later on, um, and they would basically distill it. They would burn it. And burnt wine in Dutch is brandy wine. So that's where the word brandy comes from. Whoa. Am I making this shit up, Jace? Does that you're, sound like right? That not, sounds right. It's that's not the actual Dutch word. It's like 
you know what there's like J's and I's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like there's a W at the end that's somehow supposed to sound like a J. Like it, and I'm listen, I'm not making fun of like the Dutch language. I We're just making don't understand fun of it ourselves. because I'm stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. It's it, it that is, but you're not wrong. It's like brandy wine. It's, it's, it's like, something like that. Yeah, you're yeah. you're 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 right on time. So yeah, like Sherry, I mean Sherry Port Madeira, you know, they just kind of developed that. Madeira, I think, was a maybe a scooch late to the party after port. Like mm. the first Madeiras that were shipped out, especially to the New World, were not fortified. Um, but later on, that just became a thing. And they would add, I mean, I think they would add, they would fortify the wines with brandy to kind of halt fermentation. Because what happens with wine, and beer for that matter, is if you put it in a wooden barrel, those are not great at holding carbonation, which is a secondary byproduct of fermentation. So the barrels will fail or explode while they're being shipped and you kind of lose not only do you have a mess to clean up but you lose your cargo Uh, and then of course you know when you fortify the wine determines how sweet it is so port and madeiras historically were kind of on the sweeter side most sherries kind of with pedro jimenez and oloroso was standing they're they are fortified kind of after fermentation so they're fortified wines they're stronger in alcohol but they're also drier and i think that leads to this insane food friendly thing that none of us can stop talking about yeah where's the where's the where's the corn nuts i know what was i thinking <laughs> on the sherry show I don't you guys don't want to hear us c- crunch corn nuts into the <laughs> mic but sherry but you know sherry is one of those things that was it was huge in britain um and of course britain you know what was a big wine customer of france and uh obviously france and england uh, were at war for you know a million years <laughs> yes. so that shut down like a lot of the uh export you know, French wine exports to England, a lot of that kind of got shut down. So you can look at um, some sherry producers, but a lot of Port and Madeira producers, and a lot of the companies have British names. Oh. Like Dow's and Churchill's and Coburn. Those are not Portuguese or Spanish names. Sandeman's, not. I mean, That's interesting. Those are all British names. So the British got involved in those areas, got into the wine business, and... Uh, basically kind of set their own controls in place to make sure this stuff was getting to England so they had enough booze. Wow. Yeah. Sherry was big, and usually they would not bottle it in country. What they would do is they would ship um, they would ship barrels of sherry or port uh, in Madeira to England, and say, say you owned your own mercantile, you would buy barrels, and then you would bottle it yourself Oh. And you would put the Lindsay Collins label on it. Right. Not unlike how a lot of people are doing bourbon these days. Oh. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, not a lot of people, but like most bourbon brands, like we've talked about, there's, you know, handful, dozen of, uh, um, not a handful of dozens, like a dozen-ish <laughs> uh, bourbon distilleries <laughs> in Kentucky that make all the bourbon you see out there today. And a lot of them also source stuff from NGP, the big distilling factory in Indiana. There's nothing wrong with that. They are very good at what they do. It tastes good. Um, but they they, uh, they they buy a lot of bourbon that's been aging, and they're like, I like that, and I would like to put my name on it or my label on it, and that's where different brands come from. And, you know, if, if something's successful, you know, a big, like, overarching brand like Diageo or Pinot Ricard or something like that uh, will we'll snatch it up, but... All that stuff is made kind of at the same place, but just with different different names on it, depending on who owns it. That's very interesting because it's it almost is like they're 
is there some, they're like a silent partner. You're like, we don't talk about the fact that this comes from, you know, a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, Oh boy. He's getting out the control. What are these like medicine type bottles? So so, Plyler brought this stuff from his house. I am not sure what it is. So, so so we're leading into, we're leading into the British drinking a ton of sherry. Right. And the barrels are going full to England and people are bawling themselves. So, what happens to all the sherry barrels? I don't know. That's right. They go to whiskey distilleries. Oh. So a lot of whiskey producers are using these used barrels. And by the way, folks, if you don't know this, um, American whiskey, for the most part, is aged in uh, like unused barrels that have not been used for anything else, which means that after you've used those, you can't use them for your whiskey anymore. You ship those to Scotland or Ireland where they will reuse that. So a lot of Scotch and Irish whiskey that you have out there uh, has spent time in ex-bourbon or ex-sherry cask. That's and usually a combination of both. That's very, it's like very common for, I, th- I mean, bourbon casks are a lot easier to get a hold of than sherry casks these days because of the amount of whiskey production we do. Like Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, they can only use those barrels once by law. Why? By law? Mm-hmm. By law. Yeah. What's up with that? Uh, well, a long time ago, like back when, like back in the time that we're talking about, they shipped, they didn't just ship booze in barrels. They shipped everything. They, they would, you would put fucking, you know, salted cod and herring and uh, nails and tobacco. It was like the containers of this just, of today, yeah, but like a metal oak vessel. Is, yeah, oak is like a sponge in, in a lot of ways, but like a two-way sponge. It'll put whatever character it has into whatever is in its inside that barrel made of oak, and then vice versa. Like, a thing of kind of wet, rusty nails will really do a number on, a, on the inside <laughs> right. of a barrel. So... Yeah. I think first came the tradition in America of charring the shit out of the inside of the barrel to burn away any like funky fish aromas or, you know, oh, I shipped a horse in a barrel. I thought it would work. Uh, I don't know what to do with it now. Um, you know, and they would char the inside to kind of purify it. And then, you know, but still it's it's not great. So it, it kind of just became like a standard practice. Like we age our American whiskey in unused charred American oak barrels. Uh, and that's like, I mean, Jack Daniels has done that forever. Everyone in Kentucky, if you want to call it bourbon, has to be an unused charred American oak barrel. Um, so with that being the case, like we chop down a tree, we make a barrel out of it. We age whiskey in it for however many years. And then you got it. Once once you empty that barrel, it's used and you can, you can sell it to, um, other distilleries or breweries in the U S um, breweries, especially by like bourbon barrel aged stout is a huge thing. Um, and, and smaller craft distillers be like, oh, this is a, you know, we aged this whiskey in a Pappy Van Winkle barrel or a Buffalo Trace barrel or mm. something like that. As like, they could use that as a marketing term, but it doesn't really work because that those barrels are kind of like tea bags in that, like, you make tea once and then you try to make tea again. Like, the flavor is not, not there as, as much. So you can send it over to Scotland where they'll use anything. And they're like fuck it bring it on we don't yeah, care exactly but i mean i guess chopping they're down all these trees like from from you know distillery to distillery like they pick their barrels out very carefully yeah like, this is going to be perfect for mine and because people aren't insane in scotland they like things to be kind of like you know balanced and uh not you know crazy harsh like some bourbons can be in, in the states and they'll use the bourbon barrel for the majority of the time and then they'll finish it in one of their sherry barrels or a port barrel or a cognac barrel, you know, on down the line, whatever they, whatever they have that they want to. Are there people use. in America that are like, that's, this sucks. We want to be able to like 
play around or they're just like this is well, us this is american whiskey well, and we're so going you can't, for it you are totally you allowed to play around you just can't call it straight whiskey i see yeah, yeah. it's 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 all in the labeling like you okay. can make like you like there's distilleries here that are making um american single malt whiskey which is all 100 percent barley malt um they're using used barrels i mean they're making things they're using uh smoked malt peated malt they're making essentially a scottish style whiskey just here and you can make that you just can't call it like straight bourbon whiskey gotcha yeah you can't label it so yeah, yeah they're like that's not for you but so you like the reason there's an elijah craig barrel sitting in my living room right now <laughs> is because they use that once and they're like well that's it all done with now it's all done <laughs> and uh we got that now food. it's gonna be a, a yeah. table yeah it's a it's a table now um it's a very nice table yeah i like it uh yeah travis from bottles got us that um and we didn't he's have the man shout out to travis yeah oh yeah he's awesome um he's he's on the on the we just need to figure out a date he's gonna be on the show he Dude. said yes and travis if you're listening you said yes you, you said committed yes. to it and we're it's all a verbal contract right travis. <laughs> yeah. you don't want to break this you know where you blood live on travis. a list somewhere not yours but <laughs> I'm, out, I'm outside Somebody's of your blood. house right now travis <laughs> travis we're outside your house in a bourbon barrel we're about to pop out it's camouflage <laughs> it's now a used bourbon barrel but yeah we're. so uh so like scotch whiskey like single malt scotch whiskey that has spent a lot of time in like sherry barrels is kind of this prize thing because it starts to take on some of these deeper, richer, oxidative kind of raisiny notes. Mm. Um, if you if you're a fan of like the Macallan, like they're kind of the quintessential like sherry barrel age or sherry barrel finished Scotch whiskey. So I do not make enough money to drink Macallan all the time, but I really like the sherry influence on the whiskey. So what I've done today is kind of. Uh, brought a little bit of a, a home cocktail practice here with me. So Teacher's Highland Cream is like my house whiskey. Uh, cost about 16, 17 bucks for a standard 750 milliliter bottle. Uh, great to put it on ice. You can make a cocktail out of it. Makes a killer highball. It's not expensive or hard to get. So what's in your glass now is a small splash of what we'll call the control. I like the, I like when you say that. The control. And I have another small uh, little glass bottle that has that whiskey blended with this Valdespino Amontillado sherry. Oh, whoa. Yeah, it kind of gets better. I I made this last night. It kind of gets better as you age it. I've got a decanter at home. If you can kind of blend them in a decanter and let some oxygen get to it, uh, it'll marry up a little bit better. And it'll give you kind of that effect of as if this had been aged in a yeah, sherry barrel. Not, it gives it, you that, that it's vibe. T- it's totally not the same thing. I mean, it's totally and not like. Plyler, by to cancer, you don't mean that bong that you have with the three skulls <laughs> on it, do you? With the the, the the one with the skulls on it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a decanter if it has more than three holes, okay? Or t- more than two holes. So that's the control. Now I want to taste this. Yeah, so Guys, look, I wish you could see this very tiny. It looks like a apothecary medicine bottle from like the 1800s. It's how I've poisoned enemies. Wait a minute. <laughs> um. uh, we're going to stop right there. So mm. I, didn't, I didn't dump in a ton because I wanted it to be a little more on the lean side. Um, but right off the bat, I noticed that it's less um, in your face. like you, that The smoke's that, not as prominent. Yeah. It calms that down. The honeyed, um, some of the honeyed malt notes in the whiskey Come. are kind of brought out. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get a little bit of that nutty oxidized finish. And it's going to dry it out a lot also. 
Oh, um, it sure did. And that, especially mm-hmm. that with soda water and ice, makes a killer highball. Yeah, that's really tasty. I was skeptical. I'm not going to lie, Plyler. I don't know why. It I'm, is very tasty. You never steer me wrong before, though. That 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 is It adds, really like, tasty. complexity, and it makes it a lot lighter, like, in a way that I can just kind of, I can drink that down and almost, like. Yeah. But it's still, like, you still kind of, like we talked about, it kind of feels like you're drinking a spirit, because you are, but, like, you're not drinking just straight whiskey. Do you play around with a lot of these things at your house where you're just like, have you ever just gone rogue and mixed something totally weird together and been like, <laughs> um, Jace's face you, is saying yes, this, he has. There, there's some things. So Again, this is a 21 up and uh, 21 up <laughs> yeah. show. Uh, <laughs> so, so Kids? There, there are things like, um, especially with a lot of beer and wine things like, you know, I want to either experiment with something or I've developed a taste for something that is out of my price range or is not frequently available. Hmm. So I'll take different spirits, put those with beers. And uh, we actually, we did a class at the restaurant a few years ago. We need to revisit it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but was it, it was, on scotch? Because I need to come to that. We can do a scotch class for it for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we just put different different spirits and fortified wines that we would just pair with the beer. And you can try them separately and just dump it in. Just kind of see where that takes you. And for a lot of these elements, if you're not spending a ton of money, I, I mean, you shouldn't be scared to do that. I mean, have a little bit of fun with it. You can put some thought into it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think something also comes down to what you were saying earlier about the American drinking culture is that a lot of people here, they find their like, quote unquote, I'm doing the air quote thing, their thing, and they stick to that. Yes. And if they don't have that, then that's a problem. Well, and if you're a True Blue Pocket Liquor fan, you'll remember the Boilermaker episode, which really stood out to me, where we kind of played, yes. you kind of played around, I got yeah, to watch, yeah. with doing exactly that like Mm -hmm. mixing some kind of having some fun with it you should yeah you should absolutely experiment absolutely have fun i mean the worst thing you'll do is put it down the drain if it's totally disgusting and if that's the case you're like me you just power through and chug (laughs) yeah you just power through you're like i don't care if it's chardonnay and rum i'm gonna do it yeah Yeah. i'm not we're not wasting all right chug it waste not want not but you should have fun i mean we i mean jace has a cocktail um the yes way rosé i mean that is like rosé cider apple cider Mm. uh that uh, that has gin and a strawberry shrub in it and i would not put cider and gin together probably in a million years it's not something that i would think about but the cocktail is delightful and all the elements really work well for it so yeah i mean if you're if you're making cocktails and blending different things together i mean yeah, why not this stuff? There's nothing more American than mixing a bunch of shit that, <laughs> like, in like if you're thinking about it on its own, like, no, we shouldn't put this and this together. But America works because <laughs> that's exactly what we do all the time. <laughs> because We've of freedom? Uh, yeah. You're talking about freedom? Like, listen. We're talking about the freedom to listen, create. Gumbo wouldn't exist if we didn't mix stuff that... Uh, you know, by the standards of the day, weren't supposed to go together. That's very true. And cocktails are no different. Uh, you know... Why does uh, tequila from Mexico and Cointreau from France go together so well when you mix lime juice into it? Like, it's a great point. That's a great point. There's mm. no reason that we can't like. There's, it's it's all one planet. It all came from the same ish place. One planet, if you think about yes. you know how yes. big the universe is, <laughs> pretty pretty local. <laughs> if, if you, you think really about, speaking broad strokes, if, it is from one place. If you've been listening to the Star Talk podcast, like you you realize we're all in the same neighborhood. <laughs> There's no reason to not. Jason's next cocktail is called Existential <laughs> Funk. So <laughs> if you guys are looking for something something new to bust out at the house. Yeah, uh, and so my new uh, nihilism uh, uh, focused cocktail menu, where nothing matters, uh, it's just you know, 
It's mostly air, and then there's, you know, a drop of something in the bottom that you're just trying to get the whole time. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm back. I'm fine. Um, <clears throat> so, all right. So, I think we've we've totally covered Sherry. Yes. I feel like in a really great way. I think... Thanks for that. I mean, listen, if you're if you're in Spain right now and you work in the Sherry Triangle, um, you can send us a, I don't know, a check or something, some sort of money. Plane tickets. Yeah, Plane just tickets. cash, really. Just hit us fine. up, uh, pocketlicker at gmail.com. We'll... Yeah. yeah, just we'll, PayPal us. We'll, like we'll, we'll bring the show to you. You can Venmo or Cash App us. We'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah, we'll fi- we'll, yeah. we'll yeah, we'll make it easy on you. Um, it is helpful though because I I've noticed and I think this is for the listener at home. Like you don't have to know a lot about what you're drinking to enjoy drinking it. I think people yeah. nowadays get kind of intimidated and caught up in being like, oh, I shouldn't mess with this because I don't really fully understand it. And it's like. You don't have don't don't question it. If it no. tastes good to you and you're having fun, like don't worry if you know all of the designations and all of the different types. And, like, oh hell I think, yeah! I right? think you're absolutely correct about that. I, I think, think it, a lot of that comes from, you know, we've I think especially in like my earlier drinking days, I've been at stores or restaurants and people have recommended me something that they didn't explain to the to the right degree. Like if I if I was like, hey, I'm here to buy a bottle of wine, and someone was like, you should have this Amontillado Sherry. I'm like, all right, I'll just go home and enjoy <laughs> that. Never had it before. And there's no explanation behind it. It's like, all right, there's none of the exposition we just gave earlier. Like, hey, this is Asian barrels, and it's blended together, and blah, blah, <laughs> yeah. blah. And, and so it's going to have, like, these dry things, and you can use it in your sauce. And there's they just, like, like fat, fast forward through all that. They're like, just drink that. Take this whole bottle home and drink it. The first sip I take, I'm like, I think there's something wrong with this. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but it just seems off. I just don't. I don't know if I'm supposed to like this or not. <laughs> yeah. You know, it. it it's a big barrier to entry for people trying new stuff because yeah. they're like, I don't really have a point of reference to even decide if this is good or not. But my, like my, my mom always said, she's like, just drink it, just sip on it till it tastes good with black coffee. Like I remember getting into coffee yeah. as a kid and being like, I just don't like it. And she was like, yeah, just keep sipping on it. Well, I mean, let's be real. See if you really the, don't like it. Most of the things that we like today are because we either had nothing else to eat or drink <laughs> yeah. or because it was the only thing around like, I guess I'm just gonna try and like this old ass oxidized wine that uh, Uncle, you know. It's all we but, got. But but coffee is a good example too. I mean, how much bad coffee did you have oh. to go through yeah. before you got into like you know like oh shit this is some fancy coffee this is really good. Yeah, or even just figuring out which like I you know what I'm a trashy latte kind of girl, which I'm not. I'm a black coffee girl, but I'm like you know there's so many different ways to go that it's yeah. if if you don't fully understand it. The best way is just to drink it. I'm a trashy, trash, I, trash coffee guy. I like trashy, like waffle, like no, to the good. Oh, fo- I like diner. to the good folks of Waffle House. I don't mean trashy too seriously, but I love diner coffee. Diner coffee is yes. uh, yeah. is the in best. a big chunky ceramic mug type thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, Hell there's something yeah. very comforting about that. Absolutely, I have That's a, a very dirty Mister Coffee that I intentionally like. I have a my mom cleaned it for me one time, and I was like, "You've you've ruined this. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfectly seasoned. You it's took like away the seasoning. You took, you took like, away the patina. <laughs> she was it's like, there's gone. stuff growing in there. I was like." It's How am I going to find another <laughs> raccoon to throw up in this? <laughs> it was so perfect. And now it tastes like weird bleach for some reason. Yeah. And so I'm with you. Diner My coffees. parents have the same bun pour o coffee Hell maker yeah. that they've had since I was basically born, I think. Mm. Um, I was born about 31 years ago, give or take. 
and still going. Yeah, they, my dad has like taken it apart because it got so calcified with all the weird. Because we've lived all over the country and it's moved with us everywhere. All the weird different kinds of hard or soft water we pour through it. That's amazing. He had to take the whole thing apart and like just chink like salt and calcium yeah. off of the innards of it. And they still use it every morning. And I'm telling you, it's the best coffee maker in the world. It's, okay. It, it works See? faster than a Keurig. Like, it's got hot water ready to go. You load it up with coffee. You pour water in the top and hot coffee starts coming out the bottom like that. Whoa. It's a, I mean, I, I'm sure you can buy a new one that does the same thing. But like Mm-mm. that one for some reason. That one's just, special. Yeah. No, it's I'm a real thing. I, I, I'm all about the, the patina and the coffee. So. It's got to it's gotta be a little bit dangerous for it to be. taste right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. right? Think about the people that first drank this stuff. They're like, I don't know. Or like the first guy who ate an oyster. How hungry was he? <laughs> oh, that guy. I'm going to crack sicko. this rock open to see. Oh, a sea booger? <laughs> this looks good. I'm hungry yeah, enough to eat I guess I'm going to gonna have that. it. <clears throat> yep. Oh, that's fine. Are you still good on time? Or are we yeah. keeping you too long? No. Am I keeping you guys too long? Am I like, uh, no, am I podcasting no. too hard? No, 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 no. We're fucking crushing it right now. <laughs> okay, we're right. we're doing really like, well. Uh, right. Guys that I, you know, <laughs> children's and So whatnot. we, so, so we kind of, we kind of introed this uh, in a small way, talking about um, aged rum. So we're talking about aged rum. Uh, and for aged rum, we're kind of looking at some of the same characteristics that you're going to get out of a whiskey that has some age to it as well. So as it ages, it'll pick up some color, some deeper kind of dark fruit flavors, uh, some figgy kind of, you know, oak, things like that, vanilla, creme brulee. Um, mm-hmm. The pain in the ass about rum, though, is how, how is the age statement put on the bottle? So I know we've gone over this before with you guys, but if, if, something, is from, if something is from an island or a place in the Caribbean uh, that was once controlled by the French, that means that 100% of everything that is in the bottle is aged for whatever year age statement is on the label. If it's something that is British, that means that the youngest spirit in the blend is the year that gets put on the label. So the plantation rum that we have now um, is from, is that uh, Jamaica, Barbados? It's, it's from Jamaica, and basically what it says on the label is it's distilled, it was distilled in 2005. Um, so this this it's it's kind of a tricky to find bottle, um, but this Jamaica Grand Terroir, uh, it's uh, 45.2% alcohol, so 90.4 proof. Um, it spent 12 years in bourbon casks in Jamaica, and that's another thing. A lot of rum, like aged rum, is aged in bourbon casks. There you go. Uh, because we can't use them. Because it's once. just a one-off over here. That's how it goes. <laughs> and, and you know what? The world's a better place for it. I mean, yeah, we're helping people out. We really are. Um, <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. For all of those skeptics of America out there, <laughs> yeah. listen. I know we do a lot we of may things. Maybe destroying bad. a lot of other things, but uh, we're really hooking you up in other ways. How are you enjoying that uh, scotch? <laughs> um, and then after that, it's finished for one year in France in a Pierre Ferrand, an ex Pierre Ferrand cognac barrel. That's what they Whoa. do with a lot of these rums, uh, the plantation company, anyway. 
so they actually send it to France. Yes. What's the pr- What's the point of that? Just well, to get in the, the pure company is in France, and they own these. They they buy lots from distilleries in the Caribbean or wherever Guyana and and whatnot, and they will age it in the tropical climate for a long time, uh, which is a very aggressive way to age something because it gets it's I just hot imagine. the whole time. It's like imagine. I don't know. Imagine like how, how fast your kiddie pool gets screen in a humid place. Yeah, like that. Or or like imagine putting like taking like some vodka, putting a oak chip in it or like a hickory chip in it and put it in the microwave. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like it, it just better. It just hot, or just leave it out in the sun. Yeah. It's a better way even to say it. Like it just it's like like a tea bag. Hot water makes tea Moisture, better than cold right. water. Um so like <laughs> the Scottish age things is kinda like making cold brew. Whereas, like, aging something in, like, Kentucky or Mississippi or the Caribbean is, like, brewing, like, a hot pot of coffee. Like, with a percolator or something. Just a percolator. This is a really important point that Jason's making. Just kind of keep in mind that uh, there's this thing called the angel share that I'm sure a lot of you guys have kind of heard about where the volume of the cask will go down as it ages. So if you are aging something in a hot environment, that process is like rapidly expedited. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when you age something, so this being 12 years in bourbon barrels in the Caribbean, that's actually a really long time for rum to be aged in a barrel. Okay. Yes, this, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, so it probably gets way more concentrated yes. because it's evaporating at a more yes. rapid rate. It's, it's infusing with the oak and it's being concentrated. It's like make if you could... If you could like make a sauce in a wooden pan somehow, like if why you, can't we have that? Why, yeah. <laughs> why does that have to set it's, on fire? Or, or, or like a cast iron is a good example. Yeah. Like if you make something in a cast iron, it takes on the flavor like of the all that bacon that you've cooked in that cast iron, as well as the you know the heat reduces it and concentrates it. Yes. Okay, I'm I'm picking it up what you're putting down. It's making it makes I, a lot of sense because that that's gonna kind of lend that complexity that it gets because yes. it does get kind of like when you smell this one. The it's all pl- over the place. It was. It is all over the place. Like immediately, I was like, "Oh, butterscotch, like yeah. crazy butterscotch and vanilla," and then it just keeps going. And and it's probably because it is so reduced. Mm-hmm. And it's also from Jamaica, and in Jamaica they make a lot of rums that have a have a high level of like this thing that people call hogo, which is like the funkiness that you would attribute to some rums. Like if you ever had like a shot of like Smith and Cross rum, which is like a newer ish thing to the market. Um, it's got this just kind of funky, grassy, like wild thing going on. But this one is a Jamaican rum that's been aged for a very long time in, in two different kinds of barrels in two different parts of the world. So it's kind of toned it down, but it's still there. And, adds, and that just like, in, like puts the complexity through the roof to me. Yeah. So like on, you get that more on the nose, I think. You get that like it almost... <laughs> The thing that I keep thinking about when I smell this is like, like a chlorine hot tub that had like a vinyl cover on it. Oh uh, no, I'm with you. <laughs> like my grandpa had one of those, and every time I smell like something like this, or if I smell a bottle of corked wine, yeah, same weird kind of funky, like not bad but funky like thing happens, and that's, yes, that's what I get on a lot of these Jamaican rums. No, I can see the faded like top of this. Yeah. The vinyl thing that goes on the hot tub. Yeah, even and, and, and cracking well. and breaking apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it plays well with all this like kind of fun like oxidative or non-oxidative sherry that we've had. Yeah, no, no, this is this is good stuff. So they send it to France. It gets aged in the Pierre Ferrand barrels. Yes, 
for how long? That's after this the is, 12th? For this particular one, it's for one year. Okay. And then it comes... And then they bottle it and, and they distribute it. To, okay. Yeah, to whoever. Well, and that's just the plantation company. That's That obviously does not happen to all rum, which we're going <laughs> to, yeah, I think... I wish. Which is what Plyler was trying to get into before I just... Talked about your grandpa's hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. You're a bag of French fries, Jeez. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So, I take that as a compliment. So the, I think the big point there to make is like, you know, we kind of talked, uh, we touched a little bit on some American whiskey laws and just kind of how spirits are like stamped as far as age statements. And um, an important thing out there for all you folks to think about is that there's not really a super duper standard across the board for all spirits through all countries on this. It isn't the same everywhere. So for American whiskey, especially like uh, like like American, like straight bourbon whiskey or straight rye whiskey, those are all like legal titles, legal terms. You have to do things for that. Like bottled and bond, those are laws, standards. You have to kind of adhere to that. For uh, whiskey in Scotland, Ireland, it's a little bit like that. I mean, it can be a little looser there, but age statements are pretty much a serious thing. Um, when you get into rum, uh, and this kind of makes rum, it, it makes it, it makes it like a little bit fantastic, but it also makes it very confusing because you can, you'll see, uh, you'll see numbers on bottles that denote what you think is an age statement, but is actually not. So you'll mm. see so and so rum, and it has like the numbers eighteen or twenty three or something like that on the label. And you instinctively think, well, that rum has to be 23 years old, right? And it's like, oh, that rum's only like 50 bucks a bottle. That's insane that they're releasing a 23-year-old rum that's only that price. It's a great value. The real answer is that rum is not at all 23 years old in any way. Where does that number come from? So from the Spanish, uh, so if... If you're getting a if you're getting a rum from a country that was originally controlled by Spain, the Spanish tradition states that if you have any part of any old rum that is in the blend, the age statement of that rum can go on the label. So you can mm. literally have a five year old rum, six year old rum, and you can put a drop of twenty three year old rum in that and put that on the label. Oh wow! Now what I'm saying there is very much an extreme kind of example. The idea behind the law is that you're releasing a product that, in its expression, in its philosophy, is this age statement, and it gives the producers there a little bit of wiggle room. But you'll also see a lot of producers that'll put a number on a bottle um, that I think is like really misleading yeah. to a lot of folks. So the number one offender today uh, is probably, and, and by the way, folks, we, we, don't make, uh, we don't make a business of like uh, talking ill or slamming any sort of brand here on the show. Uh, we're generally here to say positive things, but we also want you to have good information um, and the proper context for things. So we have a rum here. It is from, is this from uh, Nicaragua? I believe so. Yeah. So this bottle of rum... Nope. Guatemala. Guatemala, okay. Uh, so this rum is from Central America. Uh, it is a very well-known rum. Uh, it is known for being very dark and decadent and rich and kind of desserty and very complex and very good. It does have the number 23 on the label, which would lead you to believe that it's 23 years old. Um, to kind of go back to what Jace was saying about the angel share, in these really hot climates, 
there's no way that they have a 23-year-old rum. Um, say, people may fight me on that, but what you would have to do to make that happen is after about 10 or so years, you were going to have to basically look at all of your rum casks in that tropical environment that are down to maybe about 25 to 30% full. You're going to have to dump those all together into other barrels and kind of shrink your volume. And then you're going to have to do that a few more times to get up to 23 years old. So for a 23-year-old rum, if anyone 23, 30 years ago even had the foresight to think about a rum from Guatemala that could be such a thing, which they did not have that foresight, um, it should cost you like four or 500 bucks. Yeah, I was going to say, they can't sell it for enough at that point. Yeah, like, yeah, There's yeah. no way to make that make sense for them to just to store it for that long and then have the yield be so low, yeah. they can't charge enough for it. Yeah, yeah, they can't charge enough for it. So, uh, so the- But you're saying they're gonna just take whatever they've got, and maybe there's this like barrel that they've been hanging onto and they just take a little drip drop and yeah. they put it in there and now they can put it in with new rum and say, hey, this is 20 It's kind of the old. opposite that the, uh, the plantation folks do. They- They, they put the they, youngest, right? Yes, yes, they put the youngest. That's um, very honest of However, you. like we've got this right in front of us. I still oh my like God, I'm hammered. <laughs> I like the way that this rum tastes though. Like I am not trying to say that this isn't a good product and it's not something that you should, you know, check out. But it's just like it's it's almost like a uh, Dickel is one of my favorite uh whiskey brands, but Dickel 12 is put out there as Dickel 12. It is not 12 years old. And I, I don't, it's just, it's just the number 12. Uh, it is, that's just the number they put on it. I'm not sure what the n- reasoning behind the number is. Yep. It, it's almost like a recipe name. They have like old number 12, old number yeah. eight. Or like um, or, uh, Jack num- Daniels is old, old number seven. Old number seven. Yeah. It's not seven years old. Makers 46 has nothing to do with being 40. Can you imagine 46 year old bourbon? Oh Jesus. my God. Oh, oh. Just uh, oak, oak extract at that point. Yeah. Like ugh. you'd use it to flavor other things. Um, but yeah, this this isn't a bad product. No. It's just... But I don't think you have to be like super savvy to know that there's no way that's 23 years old just by the way it tastes. It's yeah. like, it's kind of light. It's yeah. kind of, you know, not one noted, but maybe a, maybe a two or three noted. Whereas like the one that we, even the the plantation that we tried before is like, it just keeps going. Yeah. It's, and it's got, what, five on the bottle? Well, it doesn't, it just says it's distilled. It was distilled in 2005. Okay. And they, but they also have products like they have a a, a rum from Panama that is eight years old, and right. that's how they sell it. So they they do all kinds of uh, crazy stuff. Um, so guys, guys, the the rule book is just all over the place with rum. You just with rum, really, yes. you, it's a kind and of that's a guessing why, game. And that's why, like we talked about, me and me and Plyler and a lot of guys are, um, you know, around the world are like we've we love bourbon, we love it so much, but like our favorite brands are harder and harder to find. Um, with the age that we like on them, and there's that, that's fine. That's just the nature of the beast once we start talking about this and everyone gets obsessed with it. The other thing is bourbon's a very, like, it's a pretty, once you know what bourbon tastes like, you, you kinda, got it. You kind of got it. <laughs> you got you know, it. Like, you know what, you know what, uh, uh, you know, cookies and cream ice cream's like, brand yeah. to brand. It's all yeah. kind of the same. Yeah. Um, there are some that are better than others, but, you know, you're, you know what you're getting. Uh, but with things like scotch and rum, where the rules aren't super strict, not that that's a good or a bad thing, uh, rum is a, like like you talked about, you you know, talking about Bacardi versus Goslings. That's a world of difference. Oh my God, yeah. You blind taste those next to each other, you're like, this is not the same thing. No. You blind taste this plantation next to this Zacapa 23 that we have. 
not the same thing. Like you, no. I mean, they're similarities, but not just like it wouldn't be like tasting Evan Williams bonded next to uh, old granddad bonded. Right. Yeah. Right. And just some differences, but and, and not just a lot. just to let everyone know if you are a fan of like Ron Zacapa twenty three, like they're, um, I believe it's uh, Solera Sistema twenty three. 20, well, 20, a, yeah. 23. So, you <laughs> know, nice. if you if you were into that, that is rock star. It Heck is yeah. an awesome rum. Um, I remember the first glass of it I had and I thought, man, this is deep and complex. This isn't like any rum I've ever had before. It's desserty. It's rich. It's a great after dinner drink, after meal thing. I was in love with it the first time I had it. And I still really enjoy it. Yeah. But also the first time I had it, I'm like, damn, that's 23 years old. How many 23-year-old anything beverages have I ever had? Right. It was the same exact thing that happened when right. uh, my roommate, who was also my best man in my wedding, Ty Gillespie. Uh, I doubt he listens to this because... Uh, He's listened to plenty of my stupid voice talking about booze. Um, he had a bottle. He brought a bottle of this and uh, Zaya. I think it has like a twelve or something like it on the label. I don't know. Yep. I don't know a whole lot about it. But he's like, oh, I got these really fancy rums and wherever he was out of town somewhere, and I think I drank all of them. Like even <laughs> yeah. though I, even though he was like, we're gonna save these for special occasions. I was like, this is the most special sure. occasion that I can think of right now. So awesome. I just kind of slowly just they just kind of dwindled down because of me. Sorry, Ty. I th- I think the big and thing- he also got me that bottle of Ronabuelo thirty that we tasted a That's couple insane. shows ago. Yeah. The 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 thing for this, and I think Jason and I have kind of gone over this. It's like if you buy something like this and you see a number on the label, totally cool. If it's a great price, you enjoy it, you like it, it makes you happy. Rock on take that recommend it pour for people you like and love but don't kind of go on about how it's 23 years old unless you know for yeah. sure this yeah. rum survived 9 11 <laughs> right 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 because people can build a lot into that um and when you see when you see like the word solera on any sort of bottle it can get very confusing and for these guys and and i believe solera i believe that is our terrifying booze term of the day yeah Ooh. Terrifying dun, dun, dun. booze term of the day, <laughs> um, and you'll see Solera. You'll sometimes you'll see a number ascribed to it. Um, I know in the world of sherry, I've seen uh, the word Solera used, and they'll put like a year on it. I believe there was um, I can't remember the producer Jorge Odones used to bring it in, um, but it was a sherry producer, and they had like a 1927 um, Alvier Alvier 1927 Solera. To read that, you'll look at that bottle of wine and say, wow, that's from 1927. That's awesome. Oh, and it's only so, so much. Yeah. That's a great deal. I'm crazy not to buy it. So what 1927 means is that the Solera that made that wine was begun in 1927. I've wondered about that yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're into like balsamico, like like really awesome oh, yeah. balsamico, yeah, yeah. balsamico, they do the same thing. They'll give you the vintage of the year where they started the Solera. And they're just kind of telling you, hey, this has been around for a really it's long like time. It's like Gap being like established 1999 or whenever. 1999. I think it's like 1969. Nin- there it is. I think it's like older than that. Right. But did was anybody wearing Gap in 1972 that you can think of? I, I don't know. Did they make clothes back then? I don't think they did. But maybe they were, stab- they were established. I mean, was, was Gap relevant <laughs> was before the early mid-90s? Like 60 years before I was born. <laughs> like, I don't know. I thought they were established in 1999. I, I, yeah, I think it's yeah. that same way. Like, the Solera was established. I right. never knew that. Mm-hmm. 
But that makes a lot more sense. Old Forster makes like a 1927 Prohibition style. I don't know if it's if that's the year, but like no, you got it. The Prohibition style. Yeah, Prohibition style, and they make a 19 something else style or 1897 style, and it like obviously that rum or that that bourbon is not from 1897. It's just made in that style. So that's that's another thing. Just I think what we're trying to say is like just pay attention and like if it says it's that old, is it? You know. And if you don't know, maybe just drink it. And give it a shot either way. I mean, marketing's a thing. You got to sell your stuff somehow. But, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like that is a... People people get a... People get too proud of the things that they don't really know about. And they're like, oh, yeah, boy, this was... I got this back in the 19... 1835. And you're what's, like, no, What's that paradox? Or not paradox, but that complex where, like... If you know nothing about something and you start to learn a little bit about it, you think you know everything. But yes. the more you learn about it, the less you realize you know and the less confident you feel about it. What's we talked about this the other day? It's like the something Kruger effect. Oh, it's the Freddy uh, Kruger. Dun- no, it's, Dun- it's the Dunn and Kruger effect. Dunn and Kruger effect. And yeah. on the back end of that, you have um, this podcast is a <laughs> is basically a we're, we're reaction a, to that. Like yeah. me and Plyler realize how little we know we know we don't know anything oh i but, that's but, not true but th- well that's the um just you're the it, stuff it, that you guys can call is. to memory is like yeah, mind-blowing yeah. What, to what, me what, i'm like i can't even david so, wandrish could tear this part he could tear he could tear us up he could rip us apart for sure <laughs> the, no but the <laughs> other the, 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 the other end of the spectrum right is the it's, it's the imposter syndrome yeah it's that you you know this is what I have where it, I like it, actually do know some stuff, but I'm like, there's no, I, like, I, I don't well, trust myself. There's no way I have this right. How did <laughs> yeah. I get this job? There has to be a mistake <laughs> yeah. there. I, I, yeah, I, I did something on I the application the or the essay to get in here. How did I get on this right. show? <laughs> there's no way I got here. They're going to figure it out. They're going to know I'm not real and I'm going to be gone. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that is, that's a true thing. And so somewhere in the middle guys is where, where you need to land. Like you don't know everything, but you don't know nothing. And you know what you like. Yeah. People's taste buds are all Admitting over the place. Admitting what you don't know is, it's, it's a big thing. Well, what, what makes any of this fun is that there's more stuff always to pursue, always to know. There's always more stuff. I mean, if you, if you could like, I mean, I don't know, if you got three wishes and you could know everything, I mean, I mean, fuck, what fun would anything or life be at all? I mean, what could you get passionate about or pursue? What's the, what's the most surprising thing that you've learned in the past, like, I don't know, five months that you were like, I can't believe I didn't know that about booze. Um, That's a good question. Okay, so I, I'll stretch this out. I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be mean by saying that five months is like arbitrary, but I'll, I'll tell you a really good one. <laughs> I'll tell yes. you a really good one. So uh, we carry this stuff at the restaurant. Um, it's from Denmark. It's this cherry wine, this like Frederiksdal cherry wine. And it is not, it's not anything what you think it would be, which is like cherry hearing, which cherry hearing is great, Mm -hmm. but like sweet, thick, you know, it's this, it is made like a dry wet red wine um, from these weird cherries from Denmark. It's unbelievable. And when I saw it and it became hot about a year, about a year or two ago, it like, especially in the beer nerd community, for whatever reason, it got really hot. And I saw this stuff and tasted it. I was like, man. I'm almost embarrassed that I didn't know that this already exists. Mm. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that this was a thing. I'm like, right. know, this weird spot is like, oh, I totally should have known all about this obscure, what the <laughs> hell ever, awesome, delicious thing that is now like, like I had to find out about it because it was already popular and already really big. Yeah. So that's a thing. Like, I don't know. Well, what's your answer, Jace? I think we talked about it maybe last or maybe the episode before last. I can't remember. Um, 
but uh, turns out that you know everyone thinks like tequila comes from Mexico and that's what they mostly make, and that's true. They the production of tequila is the biggest like they make more tequila than anything in Mexico, but tequila is actually a style of mezcal. Mezcal is the overarching spirit. What? And mezcal, or I'm sorry, tequila is a style of that that's made in a smaller part of Mexico. Uh, mezcal is the overarching, like, parent. If you're looking at, like, you know, you know, class phylum, you know, kingdom. like of, <laughs> Yes, the know, family tree. Yeah, the, the family tree. Tequila is a style of mezcal, not the other way around. And everyone's always saying it's the cousin. It's tequila's smoky cousin. And that's so, I mean, couldn't yeah, be more incorrect. Tree, like, yeah, it's, it, it's not untrue but like it's more of like it's there's it's all mezcal but only tequila is tequila see like all mezcal is mezcal all tequila is mezcal but only tequila is tequila oh shit i just thought of another one tell me so for the brewery we're we're getting everything geared up for like the great american beer festival like gabf hell yeah and uh for me like what i do like i I have to be like really knowledgeable about beer styles which you are doesn't mean i know about everything but um, we saw a new category this year, uh, Franconian Rotbier. So Franconia is um, uh, part of Germany. It's northern Bavaria. Rot in German means red beer, means beer. So it's Franconian red beer. And this was a new style category, and we looked at it, and I'm like, I have never heard of this in my life. Weird. I knew that they made some, like, amberish or darker red lagers in this part of the world. I thought they were just maybe an interpretation of, like, a Munich Dunkel, didn't really think much of it. It's got to be this thing that you have to go there to kind of get to nail down. I've never been to Franconia. And uh, we saw this and I looked at the guidelines and I'm like, I've never fucking heard of this in my life. And that's been, that's about three, four months ago. Dude, see, have but I ever, think that's very exciting. Have you ever it's been extremely to, um, exciting. you ever been to Stankonia? <laughs> Stop it. I was already thinking um, that. I was like, <laughs> I, mm, I was like, uh, I, yeah, love for that. To you know, Stankonia. I think it's Stankonia. What about you? Uh, what about you, Lindsay? What's well, I, obviously, what's those two online? things are just that now becomes my new latest thing that I've learned that I didn't didn't know about. But well. mine mine isn't. Um, it's been weird because currently I'm not working in a restaurant for the first time ever since I was like 16, mm-hmm. and I realized that's gotta feel feel pretty good. It, do, it kind of does. It kind of doesn't. Yeah. I, I, A, feel like I lost my street cred, which everyone keeps telling me that's ridiculous. Like, no, you worked that, that long in there. You still have your street cred, but it's it's a very... Do not, do not think that. <laughs> it feels you like that. <laughs> Thanks. For sure. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, but I realized how much stuff is just like, you're just inundated with information about stuff that's new, that all that sort of gets cut off when you're not in a restaurant every day, you mm-hmm. know? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know any, I don't know a new wine producer. Like somebody gave me this really like funky, small, I don't even know what it is. And it was in this porcelain bottle and it's apparently new and hot. And I've seen, you know, you can see stuff on the Instagram, but it was just like, I felt completely like, I don't, I've never seen this bottle, this producer, this, even this grape, if I'm totally honest. And I was like, it's already happening. I'm, I'm, I'm just for, I'm, I'm totally out of touch. And at the same time, I was like, this is really fun to like, to learn something new in like a way that doesn't feel like you're learning it so that you can go out and be tested on it and convey it to someone else. Like just to learn it for myself. Do you know that Bordeaux just added like seven great varietals? What? No. 
Yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like Alborino is one of them. Holy shit! Blew my mind. So if anyone listening, I mean, just Bordeaux used to be one of those. I mean, not quite as easy as like say Champagne or Burgundy, but Bordeaux is one of those wine regions where it's like, okay, there's like five red grapes three white grapes if you yes. can remember those and get that down yeah you are totally set and of the red grapes there's like three of them that really count right right but then they added seven it's something crazy like Holy that shit that's just see the world's always changing and it, i think it's really it's really fun but i'm having i'm having a good time like learning stuff like that and not feeling like a failure and just being like cool I get to learn it, something new in like it's an exciting way. Absolutely. It's interesting. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You're following something else other than just like vintage at that yeah. point. And I think that's fascinating. Yeah. The world Do you is- think that any of that has, cause like Alberino, I've always known as more of like a Spanish, like Spanish, you know, grape that you see. I'm like, Oh, this is from Spain. Uh, do you think anything that has anything to do with global warming and how like it, the earth is getting warmer in places where it used to not be? It, it could. Spain obviously is, South yeah, of France. It could. I mean, um, and like they're starting to try to grow "quote unquote" champagne in England now. I, th- I think Toriga, Toriga Nacional, which is a if you drink port wine, is like a big red grape in mm-hmm. Portugal. I think that got added to Bordeaux. Wow. So maybe That's some cool. of those like warmer climate ripening gra- and and I, and I'll also say like I I don't know the extent of this because I've read like one piece on it. Um, I imagine your big like famous Bordeaux houses probably aren't going to be planting like. They're not going to be ripping up and planting this stuff. I mean, I'm sure you're going to see these grapes more for like your uh, like uh, Entrée de Mer or like Bordeaux Superior, like your like the stuff that I can afford to drink like on a daily basis, like the intro like Bordeaux table wines. I'm sure they're kind of introducing it for that, but it, it could absolutely be deeper than that for sure. I think it's probably just the French just being greedy and they're like Spain. That Spain is so hot right now. We must, we must take Alberino first. We need money. So yeah, hot. we need money. We gotta get competitive in this market, Alberino, and we're just taking it. Well, we're gonna they, make it ours. They've been charging a lot of money for their wine hey. for a long time. You know uh, what? I don't know. Well, I for one think that this has been a fantastic fucking conversation. This has been much better than the one we did with Cameron Reed. <laughs> I love that guy. He will never, he will never <laughs> listen to. So he's never gonna listen so, to this, so that's yeah, fine. Yeah. I, Why yeah. did we even bother? <laughs> <laughs> we just insult him for no reason. <laughs> We're gonna he's do not that every even episode gonna hear from it. Now on. Well, this is better than the time we hung out with Cameron Reed. This is episode thirty-nine of Pocket Liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even wish that Cameron was here once. Um, I've learned a lot on this show, as always, and I honestly think you guys do such an amazing job of, of bringing really new and fun information to stuff that I've I felt like I've known for a long time so thank you well thank you so yeah, so much kidding? for taking the time to be here uh, uh, if you guys don't know I don't know why you wouldn't but Lindsay Collins has the coolest podcast on F&B culture literally called F&B radio spelled E-F-F-I-N-B radio if you're not listening and subscribe to that um, get your life right <laughs> Change, Thanks, change Chase. what you're doing and and uh, and straighten out. Um, she she gets really like accomplished, fancy guests on her show, uh, which is why we haven't been invited there. So no, that's not true. This that's, pl- this it's actually uh, only actually Plyler, you. Chase has been, been on the show. 
I have not. Package DOJs. Not <laughs> enough for this. This is before that. This but. is before you. Okay, it's like when you dated a guy before your husband, and you're like, that doesn't count. Like, it was. It's we just used to know each other. Yeah, Don't worry and, about yeah, it. Yeah, me and Plyler are basically married, right? <laughs> yeah, you guys are I married so. now. Um, and and Pocket Liquor is your adorable child. Yep, there it is. And it's, I'm I'm so proud of you. Beautiful fat drunk baby that we have. <laughs> um. it's, it's my I favorite can baby. smell you. <laughs> No, thank you so uh, much for having me. This has been a serious pleasure. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Uh, well, this has been uh, Pocket Liquor episode uh, 12. Um, we are super happy to still be here. Please, if you can take the time to listen to the show, please go online, rate and review us on whatever you're listening on, the podcast app, um, Apple Music. We are working on being on Spotify soon. Uh Drop us a line at pocketlicker at gmail.com. If you hate us, if you like us, if you have a question, doesn't matter. We like to hear from people. Uh, right now, we just have a bunch of like Twitter notifications that come in. So we'd like to hear from some, from some stuff. Uh, we, we're going to be uh, delivering content a lot more regularly uh, in the next uh, few months. We've been a little busy this summer. Things get hot here in Charleston, and we just generally are kind of angry. So we uh, try to... <laughs> Try to leave that out of the podcast. Sweaty, and, uh, angry, lazy. Listen, I'm just coming up with these cocktail names, Jace. Like, no, really, I'm, really, I'm, I'm just. Listen, we're all we're all three free of, of charge. Those, like, sweaty, free of charge. Lazy. It's just hot. It's oppressive. So, uh, thank you for sticking with the show. Uh, we will see you next time with our very good friend Jake Walter from uh, Cathead Distilling. <laughs>